Praise the Lord. We thank God to be together again. Uh, we're, we're off for a couple uh, Sundays. We were on vacation, and uh, uh, we just thank God for that opportunity to be able to be refreshed and, and be together as a family and be with our, our extended family, my parents, and, and uh, my younger brother. It was a blessing to be with them uh, for a little bit. And so we're back, and we are ready to go. Welcome to Manifest Church. We're glad you're with us watching or listening through the podcast. However, this message finds you. We pray that God will do what he said he would do through this word in your life. And um, just a joy to get back together and be able to share the word of God with you and declare it. Um, We're going to continue in John chapter 7. If you notice, we've been in John, the book of John. Why? Because I really felt led of the Lord to just do a verse by verse study of the book of John through uh, with my with my family here at Manifest and and with those of you who are going to be listening and watching I felt like the Lord was leading me to do that and uh, it's been an awesome time seeing uh, the glory of Jesus being revealed uh, as we're reading this together as we are looking at the word of God it's been powerful it's been an impact in my life and I pray that it will do the same and so a few weeks ago we were continuing in, uh, in this uh, where Jesus was at the Festival of Tabernacles, if you remember that. So that's where we're going to be this morning. And I want to just take a moment right now and t- take up time to pray for us as we get ready. Father, we ask you to speak to our hearts this morning. We ask you, Holy Spirit, to illuminate the Word of God to the person, Lord, who, who, who doesn't see right now. I pray that you would remove the blinders. That, that from their minds that they might see the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ, that the Holy Spirit will even now as they're listening, as they're here, as they're watching, oh God, that the Spirit of God will bring about conviction and revelation that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Because if all of our message and all that we're preaching does not glorify and declare who you are, Lord, is in vain. Our message ought to proclaim the, 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 the Son of the living God to this world. And I pray, Lord, that this message will go forth, that this message will burn in our hearts this morning right here locally and those who will watch from abroad, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Uh, so let's, um, let's uh, continue. So again, we were, in John, we're in John chapter 7. We're trying to finish it, up, but uh, in certain uh, chapters of the Bible, they're very long uh, verses. And remember, this is a letter. This is actually a long letter. <laughs> Uh, just, just, we break it up for us to be able to comprehend a little bit and those kinds of things help with that. But literally, uh, it, it just flows. It's a, it's a letter. And, uh, anyway, we are looking at the, uh, gospel of John and we're in chapter seven. We've been here for a few weeks and, uh, today we're going to continue in this book and we're going to see Jesus again. He's still, uh, teaching at the festival of tabernacles. If you remember, this was a festival that they did in order to, uh, have a time where they're remembering their time. The people of Israel were to remember their time in, in uh, the wilderness time, in the wilderness experience when they exited uh, Egypt. If you remember, God through Moses delivered them with a mighty hand and brought down the, the empire of Egypt to get his people out of there without a sword being swung, without an arrow being flung, right? It was... Straight up, God delivering his people. And you remember Moses standing at the Red Sea. The Red Sea parts and the people of Israel 
walk across the Red Sea on dry ground to the, in, in going into the wilderness. And they were on their way to the promised land, okay? This was the purpose. It wasn't just to be in a wilderness, but it was to remind them of this time. And it was, it was actually to be celebrated for generations on. It was never to be. This was a festival instituted by God to be a, rem- a memorial of what happened, how God provided for them in the wilderness. And, and so anyway, they're at this festival. All of Israel's there, every, everyone uh, there to attend or to come and, and uh, just celebrate for seven days uh, of celebration. Um, they would, you know, erect uh, tabernacles or shelters, okay, uh, some in front of their home, some by the, close to uh, the temple and all that. They would erect these little homes to remind them of how they were moving constantly in the wilderness and, and that it, wasn't, it was temporary, it was not a fixed place to be. Why? Because the promise, the fixed place was the promised land. Just like us, we're sojourners in this world. We are passing through. We are not to settle here and act like we're just of this world. Remember, Jesus took us out of the world and brought us into the kingdom of, his, of, his, uh, of light. And we are no longer citizens of this world only, but we are citizens of heaven. And we're awaiting the promise of heaven. We're awaiting the promise of being with God uh, and, and, and God being with man. No more God being separated from us in the sense of him being in heaven, but heaven and earth will be, the new earth and new heaven will be together and God will be with man and we will worship him forever and we will, be, we will glorify him forever together. So that was, that's some of the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And anyway, uh, going back here, so let's, let's read a little bit here. Uh, we're in verse 25 of chapter 7. I'm going to read a couple verses and we'll get started. At this point, some of the people in Jerusalem began to ask, Isn't this the man they are trying to kill? Here is Jesus speaking public, or excuse me, here he is speaking publicly, and they are not saying a word to him. Have the authorities really concluded that he is the Messiah? But we know where this man is from. When the Messiah comes, no one will know where he is from. Then Jesus, still teaching in the temple courts, cried out, Yes, you know me, and you know where I am from. I am not here on my own authority, but he who sent me is true. You do not know me, but I know him, because I am from him, and he sent me. At this they tried to seize him, but no one laid a hand on him, because his hour had not yet come. Still many in the crowd believed in him, and they said, When the Messiah comes, will he perform more signs than this man? And so here, uh, there's a split in the crowd. Uh, there's a split about who Jesus is among the crowd. They, he, again, remember, Jesus is in temple courts. He's teaching. He's ministering to the people. He's, he's teaching, and, all, and, and it's wide open in the public, okay? He's declaring who he is, and, and the people are split about who he is at this point. They, they're, they're still like, wait a minute. Uh, some are saying he's a Messiah. Some say he, he can't be because we know where he's from, and and all of these different things. And, and part of the split was the, the fact that they, I mean, can you think about it? All the things that we have been reading and, and going through in the book of John, we've seen Jesus revealing his glory by the miracles he was performing. Uh, remember, he turned the water into wine. You, you remember that he, 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 he took a man that was invalid for, for 38 years of his life and, and made him walk again and, and, and made him strong again. And uh, we, we saw Jesus performing Tremendous miracles, feeding the 5,000, I mean, with uh, two fish, 
uh, <laughs> five loaves of bread. I mean, Jesus was doing a powerful, powerful miracles, declaring and revealing his glory to the people. And yet there was still this divide or this split about who he was or, or who he is. And uh, we see this split. Because they were, the, the split comes because they, wait a minute, hold up. Isn't this the guy that they were wanting to kill him? Remember, they asked this question in verse 26. And, and so the Jewish leaders didn't arrest him while speaking in the temple courts publicly. So it's kind of like, wait a minute, is, is this truly, maybe they have concluded. Maybe they come to realize that this is the Messiah. Maybe, maybe that's the word, because he's speaking openly, imagine uh, you know, if you believe someone to be false, they will shut you down publicly. I mean, uh, we see today, it's, think about it, those were different times, okay? This was a different world. It was not like uh, the 21st century where we feel like we're more civilized, right? Well, you know, this happens today. There are people literally being removed off of platforms, social platforms, because of what they say. Now, Obviously, some things aren't good, but yet our creator has given us the freedom of speech. And this is embedded in the constitution of the country. And yet we find today in America, of all places, the land of the free, the home of the brave, right? We see them censoring people's speech and the ability to communicate to people. We see big tech and they've done it. And who knows, maybe one day they'll do it to me. They'll do it to you. You need to understand that uh, these things aren't far away and we think we become more civilized. Oh, we don't do that anymore. Yes, they do today. They do it. They, they want to stop and stifle anything contrary to what is the propaganda being declared by who's in charge, right? And yet just as this was going on, this, this happens, and yet they didn't do that because there were some things going on. So there was a plot to kill Jesus. Remember, Jesus had told them this. And uh, a couple of verses above this, he, he was saying this before uh, they, they got this and they thought he was demon possessed. Look at this in verse 19. He says, has, has not Moses given you the law? Yet not one of you keeps the law. Why are you trying to kill me? This is Jesus asking them the question. And they said, you are demon possessed. The crowd answered, who is trying to kill you? In other words, there were some who didn't know that there was a plot to kill Jesus because of what he was saying and what he was declaring out of his mouth and the things he was declaring about the those in charge at that time, the things he was saying, they were like, wait a minute, what are you talking about? You're demon possessed. You, you're, you're going crazy, right? And, and yet Jesus saying, no, he's not crazy because here we find that um, there was a plot to kill him. And, uh, that was their goal. They wanted to remove him because he was declaring the truth. Remember, Jesus told Pilate on that faithful moment, he said, I came. The reason that I came is to testify to the truth. And Jesus is the way, the truth and the life. You want truth? Truth has a name. Jesus Christ. You want truth? Jesus is the truth. And his message is true. And let every man be a liar. The word of God is true and every man a liar. Jesus Christ is the son of the living God. And he is, he is king of kings and Lord of lords. And he's coming back again as he promised. Just as he came, he is coming again. And so anyway, Jesus is, is there is a plot to kill him. There's a plot to silence him. And uh, the plot to kill Jesus is going on even today. 
What do you mean, pastor? What are you talking about? A plot to kill Jesus. Today, I mean the enemy. Satan is still influencing people to kill Christians. Uh, you know, do you know that today in the world, uh, in the 21st century, more Christians are being killed for their faith than ever in history? Persecution of believers are happening. Why? Satan wants to kill Jesus. And you're like, well, what, wait a minute. Jesus, Jesus, I mean, these are people. Well, I want to tell you what the Bible says about the church. I want to tell you what the Bible says about you if you're a follower of Jesus Christ. In Colossians 1.15, it says, And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might have might be preeminent. Jesus Today, more than ever before in history, we're seeing this, uh, this happen. And you need to understand, you being the body of Christ, are Christ on the earth. You are, you are his representation. You are Christ's ambassadors. You are, uh, you are basically marked by him. Hallelujah. We have his spirit, and that's why the world hates you. That's why those who are influenced by the God of this age, Satan, who is the ruler and principality over this age and influencing commerce and influencing certain things. These things that we're seeing within big tech and the things that we are experiencing aren't things that are natural. These things come from the, the spiritual realm where there is an influence, the Antichrist spirit, the spirit of this age that is at work behind people. And they are deceived in thinking that they're doing God a service or their God a service. And in reality, they are not. They are actually moving according to Satan's agenda, his plan. And we know what Jesus told us what Satan's agenda is, right? The Bible says that for the thief has come to kill, steal, and destroy. But Jesus said, I came that you may have a life and have it more abundantly. And so we see this plot continuing. In our country, there has been a, a, a concerted effort to silence Christians in the public square for many years. You know, we, we see of the barbaric things where they're killing Christians. But hey, they're right now here in this country, we may, not being, we may not be being killed for our faith, but we are being persecuted. We are being uh, mocked. We are being uh, silenced in the public square. They're, they're telling Christians you have no place in, in public office. If you, if you hold to the, the truths of God's word, if you hold to Christianity, uh, I mean, we saw this uh, as they were trying to confirm judges and, and all these kinds of things. We see what is happening. The spirit of the Antichrist is in this world and wants God out of it. So that he can have full reign. And yet, even though all this is happening, I thank God. I am so thankful. Just like in the times of Elijah, there are, God has, has believers who whose knees that have not bowed to Baal and every mouth that, ha that has not kissed him. God has a remnant. God has a people. And I pray that you and I will be found in that remnant of people who will stand boldly for him, who will declare his truth no matter the cost, no matter what we may face, no matter if we're trying to they try to silence us, whatever the case may be, that we would stand boldly for the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says if we're ashamed of him before men, he will be ashamed of us before his heavenly father. You and I cannot be cowards. We cannot be ashamed of our Lord. We need to be faithful to Him and declare His Word because this is going to happen and we ought to rejoice when it does. Why? Because His name is on us. His Spirit is upon us. He told His disciples in Matthew 5, He said, Blessed are you when men insult you, persecute you for my name's sake. For this is what they did to the prophets of old. 
You're counted and you're to be counted on a great number. You are you and I who may experience persecution or, or insults because of, of the, the name that we bear, the name of Jesus that we love and, and declare to people. We rejoice in that. Why? Because we have been considered worthy to carry that name. Hallelujah. Jesus is worthy. And, and regardless, you know, hey, if we suffer with him, we know this true, that we will reign with him one day. And so stay encouraged. Know this, that th- this, is, this is happening now. You know, sometimes we read these things and we go, what does this mean to us today? How is this going to affect me today? Jesus preaching at a temple, tabernacle. Well, we could take the principles that we see Jesus exemplifying for us, we can see that example in what he was doing, how he was faithful to the word of God. He didn't allow the influences of this world to keep him from declaring that truth. And God is saying that to you and to me, not to allow the influences of this world to take you away from the truth. Because it's going to happen. Satan is at work. He wants to hurt God. And the way he hurts God is by getting at you and me. And you and I need to turn our, and fix our eyes upon Jesus. I will listen to an old hymn, Fix Your Eyes Upon Jesus. You and I need to fix our eyes upon Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. We need to look to Him. Uh, we also see, uh, you know, the question was asked, did the authorities conclude He was a Messiah? They stated this. They, 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 they thought, well, could they have thought He was a Messiah? Because they, you know, they said some things here. And... Um, They question, but we know where this man is from. When the Messiah comes, no one will know where he is, and and, and so on. And so, Jesus, go there. I like what uh, Barclay writes, one commentator. He puts, popular belief held that the Messiah would appear. The idea was that he was waiting, uh, he was waiting concealed, and someday would burst suddenly upon the world, and no one would know where he came from. Now look at this. This is where they probably get this um, thought. It's in Malachi, or excuse me, yeah, Malachi 3.1. It says, Behold, I send my messenger, and he will prepare the way before me. And the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple, and the messenger of of the covenant in whom you delight, behold, he is coming, says the Lord of hosts. And this is... uh, a scripture that they knew and they, that's, they, they had this popular belief that he would suddenly appear. And uh, I mean, I don't know, but I think Jesus' coming was sudden, suddenly. <laughs> they weren't looking for him. They weren't looking for the son of a carpenter, right, to come in suddenly and begin to declare who he was in the temple courts. Yet there was a purpose for their blindness. There was a purpose for them not seeing that he was the Messiah. And I'm not saying all of them. I'm talking about the religious leaders. There was a purpose in that God was fulfilling his purpose and will, even in their blindness and their stubborn hearts. And, and Jesus, I love it. He always answers people. He always uh, just puts us on notice. He always like he says stuff and it just messes with you. Uh, you know, he does like he always does. His response, once again, is what he always does. He said, look, you don't, you don't know me, uh, you, you don't know, you don't know, yes, you know me, and you know where I'm from. I am here on my own, I am not here on my own authority, but, the, but he who sent me is true. You do not know him, 
but I know him because I am from him and he sent me. God it always does this to us when we when we, we we have these questions and we we try to think or maybe we maybe you're a skeptic maybe you don't believe in God and he is just saying you know what I'm going to answer you in the way you need to be answered and and let you keep simmering on that and thinking on it and what he just said and so Jesus is is declaring so the problem is his hour had not yet come the 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 this they they made the Jewish leaders this made them so mad can you imagine <laughs> being constantly by Christ, being declared the truth. And see, the thing is, Jesus was declaring the truth and it was cutting to the heart. And that's why it made them angry with him. And, and the things that he said, and, and it, it, it would cut them. The, when he would declare himself that he was sent by God, that he and the Father are one and the same. I mean, these things, whoo! It irked them and it drove them. That's why there was a plot to kill him. They wanted to shut him up and silence him because he was turning the hearts of the people to God. And um, again, this is encouraging because you need to understand that your enemy, uh, look what it says here in verse 30. At this, they tried to seize him, but no one laid a hand on him because his hour had not yet come. His hour hadn't yet come. So they're over here trying to to, to, come, to, to seize Jesus, but they couldn't lay a hand on him. Why? Because God did not allow it to do. And this encourages me and it should encourage you that God will not allow your enemies to touch you without him, without him, without the time where he will allow it to be. And if he allows it to happen, it is going to be for his purpose to be worked in you and through you. God will only allow the enemy to do anything in your life to harm or to bring about any kind of persecution in order to glorify himself through in and through your life. Just remember that. Be encouraged about that. I know it encouraged me as I read that today. Uh, it's not today, this week as I was looking and I, I thought to myself, you know, and I posted it and I was just like, Lord, this is powerful because they would not lay a hand on him because it wasn't his time. His hour hadn't come. And that means God the Father wasn't going to allow it. And you think about, well, what do you mean by that? I mean, they could have just done anything they want. God wasn't, yes, he was. Because remember, when he stood before Pilate, do you all remember he was before Pilate? And Pilate says to him, he says, uh, don't you know that I have power over you and that I can set you free? And Jesus reminded him one thing. He said, you don't have any power over me. The only power you have is because it was given to you from above. In other words, God was allowing this because God was going to fulfill his purpose that at his son being put on the cross and dying for the sins of the world, that was the purpose of God. Jesus came to testify the truth and his death was going to bring redemption for the world and his resurrection was going to be justification for us who believe when we needed that. And, and so God wasn't going to allow the enemy to think anything different. The only reason that he had any power over Jesus at that moment is because God allowed it. And the only, uh, only reason you may be going through something or, or something going on with you is because God is allowing it so that you will turn to him and you would look to him and you would trust in him even through it. And even though Jesus was misunderstood by some, there were those who believed in him. And much like in Jesus' day, the gospel will be misunderstood by some, but there are going to be people who will listen to the message, to listen to the gospel that you declare. They're going to hear it 
They're going to receive it. They're going to be those who are going to, ah, this is crazy. You're an idiot. You're demon-possessed. Or you don't know God. Or, or you're crazy. Just stay faithful and preach the gospel because there are those who will believe. Do not give up. Do not grow weary in well-doing. For at the proper time, if you don't give up, we're going to reap a harvest. Amen? And, and you and I, you know, sometimes I know this. I know in my life, I, the, the enemy would want, wants to bring you to such a place to where you give up. And the, the crazy thing is right in the moment that you're give, about to give up is right where the breakthroughs around the corner. I'm going to tell you today, trust in the Lord. Trust in him. Don't give up. Understand that he is for you. He's not against you. And he has a plan for you. Plan not to harm you, but and a plan to prosper you. But it is, it is in his time and everything happens in his time. So continue to trust in him. Continue to serve him while you wait. This is what we do. We serve while we wait on the Lord. We, we do his will. We do the things and God is faithful to bring it about. So preach the gospel. Don't give up. Don't, don't worry about what's happening. Don't worry about maybe your friends aren't listening right now. Maybe your neighbor isn't listening to you right now. Pray for them and continue to declare your, the word of God to people. And God is going to bring people along you who will listen to the gospel, who will turn their hearts to Jesus. So continue to trust in him. So Jesus continues to reveal his glory. Look at verses 33 to 34. Look what he says uh, at this time, the, uh, verse 32, sorry. The Pharisees heard the crowd whispering such things about him. Then the chief priests and the Pharisees sent temple guards to arrest him. Jesus said, I am, the way, I am with you for only a short time, and then I am going to the one who sent me. You will look for me, but you will not find me. And where I am, you cannot come. And the Jews said to one another, where does this man intend to go that we cannot find him? Will he go where our people live scattered among the Greeks and teach the Greeks? What did he mean when he said, you will look for me, but you will not find me. And where I am, you cannot come. What, what's going on here? Jesus is declaring his word. And, and he, look at all. He goes on. And on the last and great day of the festival, Jesus stood in a loud voice. And he said, let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. Wow, Jesus stands up and declares and reveals his glory on the last and great day of the feast. Jesus is declaring who he is. And uh, of course, we see here in verse 39, by this he meant the spirit whom those who, be, who would believe in him were later to receive. Up to that time, the spirit had not been given since Jesus had not yet been glorified. Look at this. On hearing his words, some of the people said, surely this man is the prophet. Others said he's the Messiah. Still others asked, how can this, how can this, uh, how can the Messiah come from Galilee? Does not scripture say that the Messiah will come from David's descendants and, and from Bethlehem? The town where David lived, thus the people were divided. Again, there was a split because of Jesus. Some wanted to seize him, but no one laid a hand on him. You see that? No one laid a hand on him because it wasn't his hour. We know this. Man, what, an, what a powerful moment here. Jesus is in the middle of the temple courts. And he's talking, he's sharing, he's declaring who he is. And he, and he says some things, the Jewish leaders are all like mix, mixed up here about where is he going and all these things. 
And Jesus continues to glorify himself. He was revealing that in a little while he was about to be glorified and ascend back to where he is from. He said they were going to look for him, but will not find him because where he is going, they cannot come. It was now the last day and great day of the festival of tabernacles. Again, I want to remind you as far as when you go into the um, it, when you go into the Old Testament, you see the, when they instituted the festival, um, there were two appendages to this festival that the, um, in Jesus' day, the Pharisees instituted uh, to further remember uh, what was going on in the time of the wilderness experience of the people of Israel. And one of those appendages they, they did was, uh, it was the the drawing of water from the pool of Siloam and pouring it upon the altar as a memorial of the water from the rock of Horeb. Okay, guys, this was the moment. If you remember reading in the Old Testament, uh, Moses and the people, they're in the desert. It's, I mean, they're thirsty. They're, they're complaining and they, and they want something to drink. And, uh, you know, they're, they're concerned about the fact that, they, did you bring us out here to die? Because where are we going to get water? We're going to, you know, have you ever been to, have you ever seen a desert? Maybe you've never been to one, but you've seen one. And you've seen it's dry. There's nothing, nothing grows there. Just, you know, cactus. That's weird. How does that grow there, right? Things like that. That grows there. But there's no water. There's nothing. It's just desert, desolate, right? And they're thirsty, and if you remember, this is the moment uh, God told Moses, I want you to, to strike the rock and, and water's going to gush out for them to drink and for the livestock. And, and uh, this one, because there were two instances, one was there and one was at Mor- 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 uh, Morab or something like that, Morib. Uh, but that one was different. That's where, that was the last moment when Moses did that. He, God at that moment told him to speak to the rock, but Moses struck it and that's when Moses... And Aaron were no longer able to take the people into the promised land because they did not trust uh, to, to trust the Lord to be holy among the people. But again, they were to remember this, this rock, the, 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 the rock gushed out water and, and they were able, their thirst was quenched. Hallelujah. They were able to drink. They were able to have something for their livestock to be able to have water because they were in a desert. They were dry. And look at what Jesus does. He stands up. And with a loud voice, can you imagine the scene? Uh, the, 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 the priest, uh, they're, they're going to the altar and they're pouring the water. and Everybody's silent watching and just observing this. And Jesus stands up in the midst of the crowd in the temple. And he says, he says to them, hey, let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Hallelujah. And whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. Man, Jesus is standing right in the middle of them pouring these big old bowls of water on the altar. And he says, come to me. Jesus has been telling this to you. He's telling you this to me. He says, come to me. He states this. Humanity is thirsty because of sin. Sin makes you thirsty. Sin leaves your soul dry and leads to death. The Bible says for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. 
And when you and I are living in sin, when we are bound by sin, we're thirsty, we're, our, our soul is thirsty and dry and weary. And yet the thing about sin is it deceives you to think the more of sin that you have, the well, maybe it'll quench my thirst now. Maybe that love I was looking for is over here. And maybe it's in this and maybe it's in that person. But God is saying, no, it's found in me. Look what he says. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden. I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus is telling the people, you're thirsty, come to me. Stop taking from dry wells. What about you? Are you going to come to Jesus? Are you going to come to him and drink? Or are you going to keep drinking from dry wells? They never satisfy. They leave you dry. One prophet says you got pockets with holes in them. <laughs> you keep putting it in, you keep putting stuff in there and it's gone. What about a weary soul? You keep drinking from the wrong pool because it's dry. It's a mirage. You know, in the desert, people, they say people see from a distance like water and it's a mirage. It's not real. And they go, and, they, and this is what they're doing, you know, like in the movie, they show the person jumps, and they're, and they're trying to drink from the, from the thing, and it's just dirt and sand. And this is what sin does to people. They're doing this, they're trying to quench their thirst because their soul is, is, is hurting. They need Christ. And Jesus said, come to me and drink. If you're thirsty, come to me. <laughs> Today, Jesus is inviting you to come to him. Will you, continue to, uh, will you continue to look for water and dry wells? For those who come to him and drink, will, there will gush out of them water to others as well. It's not just for you. But God, when he, when he changes you, when, he, when you're reborn again, when God gives you rebirth, when God through his spirit regenerates you, God through his spirit now is going to flow out of your life Rivers of living water is what he said. God wants to do that in you and my life. Oh, man, he talked about uh, this is the rebirth. This is empowerment. I mean, this, just this thing that he, just these statements that he makes right here really opens up. And if we're, if we're able to see it in hindsight, right? We're over here. We can see. We have seen through the scriptures. But I want to tell you, this is what he was declaring. He was revealing who he was. He was revealing that in him, the thirst of man could be quenched. He was revealing in him that not only would it be quenched, but it will overflow to others. From Jesus, we receive the Holy Spirit and we're empowered by the Holy Spirit to be his witnesses to the world. Look at, remember Acts 1.8, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. <laughs> God is going to pour out His Spirit upon you. God is going to, not only going to give you His Spirit in you, but He's going to put it upon you that you might be empowered to be a witness for Him to declare, to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ to this world. Uh, this, is, this was signifying the Holy Spirit being poured out. Remember when, um, when Peter declared this on the day of Pentecost when he stood among the people? Remember what he said in Acts 2.17? He said, and... And he was quoting the prophet Joel. He said, and in the last days it shall be 
God declares that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy and your young men shall see visions and your old men shall dream dreams and it goes on. God, in, in this hour, these are last days we're living in, God is pouring out His Spirit. The moment that Jesus went on that cross, the moment He ascended, the last days began, and He's been pouring out His Spirit. And if you would just receive Him today, God will fill you with the Spirit. God will give you uh, this living water to drink from. But you got to humble yourself. <laughs> you got to humble yourself. Remember, God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Where are you today? Uh, so when Jesus said the, these words, some of the people said to the, to, about this, well, it's, he's, he must be the prophet. And others said he's the Messiah. Surely. You know, in Deuteronomy 18.15, I'm going to end here. In Deuteronomy 18.15, it says, The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your midst. From your brethren, him you shall hear. Remember, this is Moses declaring to people, to the people, because at that time they say, hey, we, we're entering to lands. This promised land had people who believed in false gods and who, who worship uh, worshiped spirits and, and, and were looking for spirit mediums and, 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 uh, and all of that, the occult stuff. And I drove them out so that you can be here because they were wicked. It was an abomination to me. God drove them out of there because of the evil practices they were doing. They had rejected the living God, the creator of heaven and earth, and began to worship created things rather than the creator. And God drove them out of there. The moment they went into the occult, it, God said, I'm done with you. I'm moving you out of here. And I'm going to put my people and they're going to be an example to the world. And we, he said it. He said, don't listen to people like this. Don't follow after these things. But you're going to listen to the prophet that's coming like me. Okay? That's why some of them believe that they, there was a, a view that, uh, that uh, a popular view that the, the prophet was basically the Messiah. Um, in Micah 5.2, when they say he might be the Messiah, it says, um, look, look here. It says, uh, but you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, through you, though you are little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of you shall come forth to me, the one to be ruler in Israel, whose going forth are from the of old, from everlasting. Okay? So they knew the Messiah would not come from a certain place. So the others that doubted that when they declared this, they were like, wait a minute, this guy's, this guy's from Galilee. Remember, they would call him Jesus of Nazareth, right? Well, Nazareth was a, a, a town in the, in the district of Galilee. And, and, they, and they, they would be like, hey, they, we know where he's from. And, and uh, no, the Messiah is not from there because the Messiah, as we saw in Micah 5, 2, it says he would come from where? He would come from, he would be born in Bethlehem. Well, that was out of ignorance. They didn't know where Jesus was born. They, they just knew that he came from Nazareth. That's what they knew, but they didn't know where he was born. I want to remind you of this just in case you're like, well, wait a minute. They're Jewish people, so they know about Jesus. But wait a minute. They didn't know this. In Luke chapter 2, it says, uh, verse 1, In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while uh, Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea. So Joseph was living 
in Nazareth, right? This is where he was living. This is where his family settled. But he was to go because there was a decree that God knew was coming and God foretold that Jesus would be born in Bethlehem. But I digress here. Let me keep going. So, and everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph, verse 4, also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David. Who's David? King David. Um, because he belonged to the house and line of David. Okay, so Jesus, in Mary's womb, they travel because a, a census was to take place and everybody was to go where, where their tribe is from. And so that's what he did. He headed to Bethlehem, the city of David, because he was from the line of David, his, his, his ancestor, King David. And so Jesus was born in Bethlehem and, and on and on. So this is the confu- this is why to end this morning. Uh, Father, we thank you for your faithfulness in our lives. Thank you for speaking to our hearts, Lord. Right now, I just pray that you would embolden uh, the body of Christ and that person right now that's listening that's not a believer today, that they would come to Jesus and drink. That their thirst may be quenched. That they may find the living water. If that's you today, the Bible says if you can, if you, if you, um, Confess the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. You'll be saved and God will fill you with his spirit. The Holy Spirit will come upon you and quench your thirst and rivers of living water will flow out of you. Today, would you trust in him? Today, would you humble yourself? Will you humble yourself before the king? The Bible says that every knee will bow and every tongue will shall confess in the earth and above and under the earth that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Don't wait till you die to bow because it'll be too late. Bow your knee today. Humble yourself before Jesus and call upon him. Confess him as Lord with your mouth. Believe in your heart. God raised him from the dead and you shall be saved. The Bible says Jesus, the reason he died on that cross was to take away your sin. Was to take it away. And he rose again so that you could be justified. Thank God for that. And today I pray for my brother and sister, Lord, that that may be discouraged. I pray, Father, that they would keep preaching the gospel, that they will not grow weary in well-doing. Continue to preach the word. And God, the gospel will happen. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. God bless you. We'll see you next time.